Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads Community Church, our vision is to awaken the city of Pittsburgh and surrounding areas by creating cool places to experience God in local neighborhoods throughout Pittsburgh and beyond. Now here is this week's message. We are starting a uh, brand new series this morning. And especially since the election season is over and we are, uh, it is now safe again to answer your phone, safe again to look in your mailbox without having a bunch of political flyers explode out of there. Uh, But now we get into another very busy season, the holiday season, all right? How many people are prepared holiday season wise? How many people noticed only one person raised their hand? All right. Now, here's the thing. Uh, We're starting a new series, and the whole basis of this series is to kind of equip us and prepare us for all the craziness and busyness uh, of the holiday season that's coming up. Because during the holidays, there's a lot of stuff that you got to deal with, usually uh, family and friends. uh, And sometimes it's joyous. Sometimes there's issues. Uh, Financial issues rise up during the holidays. You spend way more money than you do. Uh, and any other time uh, during the year. And, of course, there's the whole Christ thing. And, you know, the people are like, no, it's not about Christ. And people are like, yes, it is, and uh, all that stuff. So we're going to look at each of these issues, but we're going to look at it uh, through a hopefully what will be a fun lens, and it is through the concept of, uh, I can't say gaming because that has a different, but through looking at games, all right? Now, how many people ever play games Okay, that should be everybody, seriously. I mean, how many people ever heard the term Angry Birds? Okay, so you guys do some online playing or you play, uh, how many people have ever just played like Monopoly, board games? Okay, great, awesome. How many people have ever been to a sports game? This is Pittsburgh, everybody's been to, okay. So uh, here's the thing, so now everyone is familiar with the concept of games, but we're going to look at it from uh, a little different concept, uh, concept, from the concept of game shows. How many people actually watch game shows? Oh, I expected like one person to raise their hand. Awesome. Okay. Game shows are so popular, they put them on their own network. You guys heard of the Game Show Network? Okay. All right. So uh, here's what we're going to do. Now, we're going to start by looking at the concept of family uh, from the perspective of like game shows. So if we're looking at family from the perspective of game shows, how many people think, what's the first game show we're going to talk about? Family Feud, awesome. Now, for those of you who have no idea what (laughs) family, that one's coming up. (laughs) But for those of you who have no idea what Family Feud um, is about, uh, we're actually going to take a little bit of time and we're going to play Family Feud this morning, okay? All right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play it, but since usually when I call on people and try to just get people to come up, a lot of people don't want to do that. Uh, So we're going to play it from the aspect of the tech team, because I know they're always ready to run up on stage, okay? So since we have, have you guys ever watched it with Steve Harvey? Okay, I almost dressed up in a suit, but I figured that'd be pushing it too much. That was be over the edge, because that's what he wears. But uh, so we're going to play just for a few minutes, and uh, for all intensive purposes, since we're using the tech team over here on the left, uh, we're going to have Nick, also known as Big Sexy, representing uh, the Opfer family. Okay, you guys don't watch because people clap and cheer at that point. The Opfer family. Okay, all right. 
And then over here, we're going to have Austin representing this whole side, also known as Trim Shady. And he's going to be representing the Trimno family. So uh, give me Nick, give me Austin. You guys come on down. All right, have you guys ever watched the show? This is going to be fun. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, each of you are going to stand on each side, okay? Uh, put one hand behind your back, and the other hand just let it hang at your side. Now, here's the deal. Um, I'm going to ask a question, okay? When I ask the question, you guys are going to slap in, and the first person to slap in will get a chance to respond. Does that make sense so far? Okay, don't pull your hand away, and I'm going to step back because this is not spoons, but people draw blood in spoons. So, okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the question, and when I do, slap in. Leave your hand there, but don't give your answer yet until I ask you because if you, okay, all right? All right, so for you guys that have played the game before, okay, uh, for this question, actually one person was surveyed. That was me, <laughs> Okay. I wasn't going to go out looking for 100 people. So one person was surveyed. That was me. And the top three answers are on the board, okay? So I'm going to ask you guys the question. And when you think you have the answer, don't yell it out. Just slap in, okay? All right, you ready? Okay. Name something cats have way more of than humans. Okay, your answer. Hair. Show me hair. Fur. All right. Okay. Okay, now do you want to play and try to answer the rest with your team, or do you want to pass and let this side answer the rest? You'll pass. Okay, so you go ahead and have a seat. You go ahead and have a seat. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to call the next person up here, but the next person in line, Larry. So, Larry, you're up. Uh, name something cats have way more of than humans. Lives. Show me lives. All right. Okay. Good answer. So, here's the deal. Sharon, you're up next. Okay. Now, here's the deal. You guys have no strikes. None. All right. No, we don't work that way. That's a different game show. That's the newlywed couple. We'll do that next week. We are. We're doing that next week. Okay. But so here's the deal. Sharon, name something cats have way more of than humans. Teeth. All right. Show me teeth. Okay. All right. So now we do. We go to Kevin. And you only have one strike. So as we go back to the game board. Kevin, show, uh, name something cats have way more of than humans. Fingers or claws? Which one? Fingers or claws? Do we have fingers or claws? Oh, second strike. Okay, now we go to Patty. Patty, you got to be careful. You have two strikes. Here's the deal. If you get it right... Uh, go back to the game board. If you get it right, then you guys win. 
and we don't, we, we're not giving away $20,000 or a car. Uh, so uh, you get something more valuable, bragging rights, okay? Uh, but if you guys get it right, they're, they're already scheming over here and planning it up. <laughs> if you get it right, you win. If you get it wrong, then the opt for family side has a chance to steal. So Patty, you ready? Name something cats have way more of than humans. Three seconds. A tail? All right, show me tail. Okay. Now, the pressure is on. Uh, who is next up? Chuck. Oh, Andrew. All right. The pressure is on. Here's, here's, here's the deal. If you get this right, Andrew, then you guys win. If you get it wrong, then the Trimnell side family wins. So, Andrew, listen very closely. Listen very closely, all right? One person was surveyed, and that was me. And only one answer is remaining. Name something cats have way more of than humans. Legs. Show me legs. All right, so that means if we were, you know, really doing the game, you guys would be, like, playing for big money, but we're not. So, uh, now, show me the number one answer. What was number one? Attitude. All right, all right. Now, here's the deal. This is, this is what is, thank you guys for being, give them good support for playing along. It was awesome. Really appreciate that. Um, now, here's the deal. This is, this is, for you guys that watch this game, this is what is so awesome about this game, about Family Feud, is because if you've seen it, if you haven't, if you've just seen the commercials, even when people give a crazy bad answer, what does their family do? Good answer, good answer, good answer. They encourage him. Have you seen a commercial where he's like, uh, name an animal with spots, and she's like, a bear, and they're like, good answer, good answer. Or what's the other one? I think they said, uh, he said, name an animal that has no legs, and she's like, a centipede? And the family's like, good answer, good answer. Even when they give the worst answer possible, they still get the encouragement of their family. And that's kind of crucial because, uh, think about this, this holiday season, because of lack of encouragement from family, suicides are going to go up. Lots of teenagers are going to run away from home. Lots of moms and dads are going to be entering into physical, clinical depression. Because there's just all this pressure without the family support. And some of the, uh, the, the sad thing is some of the uh, teens that run away, if they don't commit suicide, uh, some of them might return home. Some of them might end up in um, sex trafficking, which is also on the rise. Uh, it's, 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 it's a horrible thing to think about and to connect uh, with the holidays. But here's the thing uh, I want us to look at in the time we have remaining, the biblical way that we can overcome that. And it's so simple it really is. It is so simple. I know that if you, depending upon, you know, what influence outside that you listen to, they talk about this clinical therapy and there's all these kind of things to help overcome that and to prepare you for the holidays. There is something we can do that is so simple and it's biblical and we're going to walk through the Bible and that is to just spend some time and talk to your family members and talk with 
your family members, you're going to find that there are people who are dealing with financial issues, and it's not the financial issue that's killing them. It's the fact that they feel like they're dealing with it alone that's killing them. There are going to be people who are dealing with um, um, marital issues or, or loneliness. Or, or uh, I just read an article where kids in uh, South Korea are running away from home because their parents are pushing on them that you got to do better in school. You gotta, and they have mounds of schoolwork, and they're running away from home, and they're ending up in sex trafficking because they have nowhere else to go. And it's just because... I feel like I got too much schoolwork. And a lot of that could be alleviated with some simple discussions amongst the family to say, hey, how can we help take some of this burden off of you? Or how can we help make you realize it's not as bad as you think? And I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but I'm saying that there are people within our family members, a lot of things that can be resolved with all the pressure that's going to come over the holidays um, by just talking to one another. And here's, here's, here's let me share this. And I've said this before, the number one, number one problem on the planet, lack of effective communication. Number one problem on the planet. Many, so many of the problems that we see in the world could be resolved with effective communication. And here's the thing, in the church, um, there is even less effective communication. Because the churches, we as the church, not the building, the church, the body of Christ, we're failing people because we're not revealing the truth of who God is to them for whatever reason. And family members are failing each other because they're not talking to each other. And a lot of, uh, you guys, I'm not trying to bring this back up, but a lot of, there were so many people that were irate after the election. And there were so many people that would have been irate had it gone the other way. No matter who would have won, there would have been people that were just, just outraged and, and, and not happy. And it's not, I don't think it's a political issue. And when we were here for prayer on Monday night, uh, there were a couple of us uh, that came here to pray about it. I said, it's not a political issue, it's a church issue. And I want to share, uh, uh, there's a guy named Charles Finney. He was an advocate and leader in uh, what is called the Second Great Awakening, which was a, a revival that took place all across the nation, not in one place, all, almost all across the globe uh, in the latter part of the 1800s. And here's what he said, and this is key, listen closely. I'm quoting him. He said, if immorality prevails in the land, the fault is ours in great degree. And he was talking to the church. He said, if there is a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discrimination, ka-ching, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. Let us not ignore this fact, my dear brethren, but let us lay it to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility in respect to the morals of this nation. And he wrote that on December 4th, or he said that, December 4th, 1873. And everything that he said, I don't care what your political view is, everything that he said, we can see happening today 
and the pulpit is responsible for it because we're not talking to people about the truth of who God is and a lot of the issues that we're going to see and that we continue to see during the holidays is because families are not engaged in talking to each other. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Genesis chapter 3, which is at the very beginning of your Bible. And um, I could, I, I, as, as I was praying through this, and I planned this whole series out like months ago, but as I was praying through this, um, there were so many different passages that we could have looked at and seen uh, the same thing we're about to see now. And I just picked this one because it's one that uh, pretty much everyone on the planet is familiar with. Whether or not they believe it is a different thing, but pretty much everyone on the planet is familiar with. Right? And so in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one under your seat, left, right, or in front of you somewhere, and just raise your hand and I'll ask someone to bring it to you. Uh, but in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, uh, just, just stop right there for a minute. Because here's, here's, here's what's happening. Satan's coming to her in the form of a, ser- a serpent. And he's, Adam and Eve, Adam has been giving this verbal mandate from God. Here's what thou shalt do, here's what thou shalt not. Don't eat from this tree. Go and replenish the earth. Go and populate the earth. Almost sounds like live long and prosper. Okay. But he's... He, He's, he, he's given this mandate, and we assume that he has discussed it with Eve because we're about to see where her response uh, communicates a lot of what God said and a little bit of what God didn't say. And this is what we see um, happening in the church today where, where, where the church is, and I was talking to someone about this this week, the church, we take God's word, and we kind of twist a little bit of it, and give our own form of reasoning and our own form of theology that we come up with. That's why there's over uh, close to 400,000 different religious denominations on the planet today. Are you kidding me? And I'm not talking about the, like the, the, the Star Wars cults and the Star Trek cults. That's a whole different animal. But I'm talking about the people that have this thing about God or a religious denomination formed around the fact that there is no God or that the universe is God. Or that God is this or God is that or we can become gods. Whatever it is, there's so many different ones, but there's only one revelation from God of here's who he is. And even in churches today, I was, um, I was talking to someone earlier this week, and uh, I've been, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I've been struggling with this for months because I am finding there are more and more congregations here. It's one thing to hear about it out there, more and more congregations here in our community that have a totally different theology about who God is than what's revealed in his Bible, and people are flocking to them. And these people are being led away from Christ. And they could end up potentially um, spending eternity apart from Christ because someone has, is communicating to them that, well, Christ didn't really rise from the dead or that you don't need to follow Christ because eventually God's going to come back and we're all going to go and spend eternity with him. And that's not the truth. But we as the church have a responsibility to communicate the truth of God's word. And if we would just spend some time kind of talking about this stuff, it would really clear up a lot. But what happens is in most churches, because people don't read their Bible and they have a question of, I wonder, did God really say Whoever comes up and says, no, 
this is what that means, then that's who people will end up going to follow. And if they're wrong, they're being led away from God. And the same is true in our families because we have uh, mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and uncles and aunts and friends and people who are struggling with lots of pressure because our economy is crazy, because our world is crazy right now, and they're not talking to their family members about it. So someone else shows up at work or at school or at the gym or at the shooting range or at the bowling alley and says, you know, here's what you should do, and they finally have an ear that listens, and that's where they go. That's who they follow. Instead of talking to our family members. Um, drop down, let me finish. Drop down to verse 2. Verse 2, it says, wow, you got to forgive me because this is all color-coded, so I'm trying to read through the purple highlight. Verse 2, it says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And nowhere did God say don't touch it. That's just something that she added in. But in verse 4 it says, uh, You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When a woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, uh, Here's the thing, there's, there's an indication that um, because when she saw what it likes, it says when she saw what it likes, is that she probably had not paid attention or focused on or wondered whether that fruit was good or not to eat because she had been told don't eat it. But someone else came and talked to her and said, hey, let me take what God told you. Let me put it in a different perspective that will benefit you more than God's word, or so she believed. And she began to look at it in a whole new light. And she began the process of disobeying God and separating herself from God. Now, here's the thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let me just go up for a minute. Because this is, this is one of those times where it would be great if that husband and wife would talk. Because instead of um, um, just keeping quiet and following along as we see that, you know, she gave some to her husband was with her, uh, there should have been a conversation where this is where, and I'm going to put this on the guys, uh, even though she took the fruit and gave it to him. This is where the guy should have stood up and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let, let, let's talk about this because I know he's saying this, but this is what God told me. This is where the father, the spiritual head of the house, should have stood up and said, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Now, you can do this if you want to, but we need to talk about this because this isn't right. At a minimum, at a minimum, and this is just me, at a minimum, he should have stood up and said, why are you talking to my woman? And every, every guy in here, if you saw some guy giving your woman an uh, edible fruit basket, you'd question it. Like, whoa, what's going on here? You definitely would talk to her then. At a minimum, there should have been some type of conversation that said, where are we going? What are we doing? Why are we doing this? And that didn't take place. But here's, here's, here's the consequence. I want to show you this. Chapter 7, I mean in verse 7, here's what it says. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together 
and made coverings for themselves. Now, here, uh, two things real quick. First and foremost, it says, then they, the eyes of both of them were opened. And a lot of theologians believe, now obviously their eyes were opened before, right? But a lot of theologians believe that this is the point. God said, if you do this, in that day you will surely die. Obviously they're still alive. But this is the point where they experienced spiritual death. And the spirit of God that was in them, that connection was severed. Because now they no longer saw things from God's perspective, but only from their human perspective. And they began to realize things and see things from a whole different perspective than God. And the first thing they noticed was something that had to do with the flesh. They realized that they were naked. Now here, if you look at number two, the next thing, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They had a conversation here, like, whoa, we're naked. Well, what are we going to do? Well, maybe we should cover ourselves with some fig leaves. And they did. And here's the problem. This is the problem that happens in most families. This is the problem that happens in most cultures. This is the problem is we won't talk to each other until we're dealing with the consequences and the mess of not talking to one another. A lot of families won't sit down and talk to each other or talk to their children until the teen runs away. Then the parents will start talking. What do we do? They won't talk to each other until uh, that uh, uncle, you know, drinks a lot, is, is, is dead. And then, oh, we should have told him he had a problem. We should have confronted him. They won't talk to each other until the son or the daughter or the mother or wife or whoever, whatever they're dealing with, their wild lifestyle, their, their addiction, uh, until they end up in prison. And then comes the conversation, how do we deal with this? What are we supposed to do? Most people won't talk to each other. They won't engage each other in conversation until it's too late. And, and, and the problem is it gets passed on. The issue gets passed on down to our children. Because if you know, you know the rest of the story, uh, Adam and Eve had a son, or two sons, Cain and Abel. And you know the story that Cain uh, and Abel, they brought an offering to God. God was pleased with one, he wasn't pleased with the other, and Cain slew Abel. Now, that's a problem that could have been easily resolved. You know how? Because Cain could have just said to Abel, hey, you're my brother. God wasn't too happy with what I did, but he was happy with what you did. Help me out here. How do I, how do I get that? He didn't talk to his parents. He could have just easily said, you know what, I'm frustrated and I'm angry because I'm feeling like a failure. I need some encouragement right now. And we all have family members that could definitely use some encouragement. And here's, this is the worst thing. This is, this is what really, I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't judge him because I'm not in his place. I don't know what he was going through. But he didn't even talk to God. And God reached out to him and said, hey, what's wrong? Now, how many people know it's a rare thing when God reaches out to you to say, hey, what's wrong with you? Why are you so downcast? And not only reaches out and says, hey, what's wrong? He says, he says, here's how to fix it. Here's how to fix what's wrong. He gives you the answer before you've even expressed. Here's the problem. God says, hey, I see you're not doing too good. Here is the solution. And that's, what ha that's what's going on with our younger generations. And we keep asking ourselves all over the surveys and, and all kind of churches are asking, why are generation after generation of the next generation, why are they running away from the church? 
Why are there so many missing gaps in between um, going from youth group, uh, the whole young adult generation uh, is missing, and then all of a sudden there's the older generation. And it's simple. I mean, if we haven't trained them to talk to us, the family members that they see and they sit with and they uh, sleep next to and they share a house with, if we haven't trained them to talk to us, why would we expect them to talk to God? It's got to start with us training our children and our family members and the next generations. Hey, this is a safe place to talk here. And that's why one of our, our, our um, I'm going to ask the band to come up, but that's why one of our, our core, core, core values is authentic community. That is so crucial to being the church, authentic community, because it doesn't just mean that, hey, we hang out with each other and we do the food thing and we do the fellowship thing, which we do, but it means authentic being real with one another and being there for one another, being a community. That means there's got to be, it's got to be okay even outside of my family, for me to come in here and sit down with John or sit down with Larry and sit down with Kevin or sit down with somebody and say, hey, you know what? I'm kind of going through some stuff. It's got to be okay for me to walk in and say, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all together. It's got to be okay for women to walk in here and say, hey, you know what? I think I just screwed something up with my family. And people not to judge them, not to harass them, but to be real and say, I'm going to be here for you. How can I help? And I told you, I was, I've been struggling with this whole concept of seeing, you know, all these local churches around us that, and I'm not trying to, you know, judge them, uh, but that, and I'm hearing this not from, I'm hearing it from the pastors, that this is what I believe. And I was sharing with someone just this week, I was like, hey, I was, I was near in tears because this, it literally hurts my heart to know that there are places of worship that are not preaching God's truth. And I shared with them, I was like, you know what, I've been struggling with, well, maybe I'm, I'm failing. Maybe I'm not doing what God wants me to do because people are flocking to those places and they're not flocking here. And I didn't expect them to have the answers. I didn't expect them to say, here's what you need to do. I just went on a rant and they just listened. And at the end, we shook hands and said, hey, okay, have a nice day. See you on Sunday. And I felt better. I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel like, ooh, boo on you. You're supposed to be the pastor. You're supposed to have all the answers. You're supposed to have this together. I just felt like, hey, this is, this is a person who I feel I can share this particular thing with because it's a safe place to share. Of course, now I've shared it with all of you, so I hope all of you get that it's a safe place to share. But that's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place where we are not only comfortable talking with God, but where we're comfortable talking with one another without the judgment, without the harassing, without me going back home and gossiping, do you know what she's going through right now? And I get this. Let me share, uh, uh, as before we um, enter into this time of worship, let me, uh, let me share just one more thing because I get that because sometimes people share things with me and then the next thing you know, they're like, whoa, he's standing up there talking about the same thing I just shared with him in confidence and that, that's not what happens. People share things with me and I don't get up here and share it from the pulpit. So someone comes up and says, hey, I'm dealing with uh, a drug problem. Uh, 
I'll talk to them. I'll be there for them. We can work through that. I'm not going to get up on Sunday and say, hey, everybody, there's someone dealing with a drug problem. But if I get multiple different people, not just from you guys, but there's, there's a whole online community that from all over the world, literally, that listens to these messages. I don't know how they find them. Internet, got to love it. But they share stuff too, and they'll text or they'll tweet me or whatever. So if I get a sense that there's not just here, but there's not just one person, multiple people dealing with an issue, then perhaps we need to, let's look at what God's word says about this issue. That doesn't mean I'm trying to air your laundry and talk about your issue. But here's the thing I'm going to ask us to do in the next few minutes is to spend some time talking with God. I'm going to ask you guys to stand and, and we're going to worship and we're going to um, uh, sing some songs. And here's the thing, from your heart, I know some people are not musical. I know some people, oh, that's the worst part of their services when they have to sing. If you don't want to sing them, speak these words. Talk to God. Do not leave here today without having spent some time talking to God. You lifting your voice to worship him and him proclaiming to you how much he loves you. That wasn't God. Because after we do this, here's the thing. Some of us, we got to go home and do, this is the easy part. The hard part is going home and actually sitting down and engaging in some conversations, maybe some that are long overdue with our families. But use this time now to just lift your voices to God. Um, I want you guys to do me a favor. We've done this before, but just feel the need to close out with a time of prayer. Would you just grab the hand of someone next to you? They're a family member or a friend, and here's what we're going to do. Uh, if you're disconnected, then move back to where everyone are, just so that everyone is holding someone's hand. There are no breaks. I know some of you guys have to get up and move, and everyone should be connected to someone. Even across the aisle, we got to connect across the aisle. So someone, someone on turn around and hold hands with John or something so we're connected all the way across the aisle. Stretch, we can do this. There you go. All right. Just bow your heads with me for a minute. God, we stand here today as your church in your presence. And we pray that if there's anyone here now just is, is, is feeling like, hey, there's stuff that they need to let go, stuff that's burdening them, stuff that's piling up, that they would feel the freedom and the privilege to reveal it to you, God. As your word says, to lay all of our burdens upon you that you took upon yourself. And I pray that we would not be a kind of church that doesn't talk to one another, that doesn't talk to our family, and that doesn't reveal your truth. God, give us the courage that comes from the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit to boldly proclaim the truth of who you are in our homes, in our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces, as your Spirit leads. God, just as all the hands are clasped together, uh, let us be reminded that we are here for one another. You didn't put us here to do life in isolation. You put us here as the church, a plurality of followers of Jesus Christ 
committed to exalting your name, to sharing and showing the love of Christ, and to being here for one another. We can receive your love. God, and I pray for the person that, that doesn't need to just unburden, but that needs to hear from you, that needs to hear your word, that needs to be encouraged, that needs to be strengthened, that you would speak to their heart right now and confirm and reaffirm and encourage the amount of overpowering, mind-blowing love that you have for each and every one of us, God. Pray that you would fill us with that thought right now. God, we thank you and praise you. We continue to pray and lift up uh, all of the people that are dealing with the issues of the hurricane. We pray that they would hear from you. We pray that the, the families who lost loved ones and who maybe lost everything, lost homes, lost cars, lost jobs, lost businesses, but we pray that they didn't lose the ability to hear from you and to reach out and speak to you. And God, we pray for the people here that are going home and, and that need to have the tough conversations, things that we've been holding back with our family members, that you would give us the strength to engage in those conversations, whether it be to, to, to chasten or whether it be to encourage or whether it be to affirm or whether it be to bring up topics that we've never brought up before or just to sit down and just as you let us know that you love us, that we let our family members know that we love them. God, we pray that you are exalted. We thank you and praise you in the mighty, matchless name of your son, Jesus Christ, who you sent to die upon a cross so that we would forever know for all eternity how much we are loved by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.